Good afternoon and welcome to Young News Podcast with your host Johnny Phillips alongside Sean Clappis via WhatsApp on this Monday, October 19th, 2020, sharing with you our thoughts on current events. And today, Sean, we're talking all about really Biden, Trump, election 2020, but specifically what happened last week with the Hunter Biden emails, the Hunter Biden computer. And here's my take on this, Sean. Look, I'm not shocked when I wake up and I read a newspaper article about a politician politician who does something corrupt. I, I, that does that never surprised me. When I find out, oh, did you find out Hunter Biden exchanged communication with his dad and also Burisma, and Burisma's a private company in Ukraine, and his dad's the vice president, and Burisma's using Hunter Biden so they can get special access to the White House. I'm like, well, that's, that's mm-hmm. politics, right? That's politics. Yeah, yeah. That's the way things are. Maybe, obviously, if Donald Trump was in that situation, you could strongly make the argument that he would do something very similar. Kind of a use your leverage, use your last name, use some of your influence to do some things that are obviously questionable. But here's the problem I have, and here's the problem that I have with last week's uh, town halls. The media has just two different standards, and it's become so obvious that they treat one, one candidate like good old Joe and the other one like bad man Trump. Like, mm-hmm. straight up, very different how they treat the two candidates. And last week, I think, was highlighted so much because of, obviously, what happened at the town hall. One person, act like he's your best friend. The other person, I want to get this person. I want to beat this person. I want to make sure this person suffers. I want to make sure this person looks stupid on TV. We're going to show the whole world how this person can't handle the pressure. And we're going to ask stupid questions. And we're going to say stupid statements to try to get this guy off his game. It was so different, the two approaches. And the second thing I want to say is when the Hunter Biden stuff came out, you have the White House press secretary who just wants to share. She wants to share an article, okay, from a newspaper. I don't care what you say about what it leans, left, right, moderate, left, moderate, right. It doesn't matter. The bottom line is just like a New York Times or a Washington Post, it's in the media. It's well-established news, okay, and they come out with an article, and she tries to share it on Twitter, and it gets taken down. And another person does it, it's taken down. The fact is, when this stuff came out about Trump last year with Zelensky and the quid pro quo and obviously impeachment stuff, none of that stuff was taken down on Facebook. None of that stuff was taken down on Twitter. So my biggest frustration last week, my biggest, biggest frustration, Sean, last week was the fact that you have two different standards. And the two different standards that you're holding these two presidential candidates to are drastically different. And with that said, I'm going yeah. I'm I'm to hand over the invisible microphone to you, Sean. Good morning. I hope you're fired up. you got 30 minutes. Good Go. morning, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah we could, it's going to be short and, short and hot. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, Hunter Biden ingratiating himself with Ukraine. Uh, I mean, let's also not forget the uh, fact that Hunter Biden flew to China on Air Force Two while, while Joe uh, was, was vice president using his influence, state influence and essentially getting equity in a Chinese firm through his son. Like, this is this is pretty well documented, and, and information and e- confirmed emails keep coming out. And yet, Kaylee McEnany, when she said, when she's, not, I mean, not just her, but if anybody shares the New York Post article that ex- exposes this, Facebook will take it down. And not even in on the public forum of Facebook, in private messages, if you send this to friends, you send the New York Post article to friends in private messages, they won't be able to see it. I don't know if that's still going on, but Facebook and Facebook's bots and acolytes were essentially, you know, censoring and, 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 and erasing a, a piece of news 
that was uh, inconvenient for their side. And I, I mean, and to this, be honest, Jim, mm-hmm. to, to, what I couldn't, what I thought was crazy was yesterday I decided to look up the uh, the article a second time. Sean, I couldn't find it. Yeah. So, yeah. so here's here's my issue. I type in something else like uh, New York Times, uh, Trump impeachment, uh, whatever. Okay. Oh, and no, like four, five articles come from the New York no Times. Problem. No problem. No problem. Okay. Yesterday, I typed in, okay, I typed in Hunter Biden email story, New York Post. Sean, it wasn't even in the front seven or eight shots. You know what? But know. You know what was? Oh, the controversy. It was people's right. opinions right. about the possible not true stories that surround this main story. It's. It was so bad that I had to finally yeah. find it. And when I did, I actually had to attach it to my favorites, you know, on top of the bar, the bookmark. I bookmarked it so I could always refer to it. Yeah. And, you know, this isn't the same. There's another article. I don't know if you've heard. There's a German neurologist. She's come out. She's a German neurologist. And she's pretty much come out that mass, wearing masks is going to cause, you know, causes brain damage. Bottom line. Mm. Bottom line, mm. brain damage. Why? Because of the oxygen that doesn't get into the body. And because there's no oxygen, there's more carbon dioxide. And because of that reason, okay, that the brain itself, okay, struggles. And not only does it struggle, but if it's done under a significant amount of time, the damage is permanent. Now, she came out. I'm not a neurologist, but she is. The fact that you can't even get her stuff, you can't even get her stuff to pop up right away. When you even type in German neurologist discusses brain damage. Now, how many German neurologists out there are coming up with YouTube videos? Not many. So you should be able to, like anyone else, like you, like me, put mm. your name in, a little description, should pop up the first five, ten shots. Okay? Yeah. Not, not, not so much. And if it does pop up, immediately right above it, Sean, it seems to me like every single time you type in someone who has somewhat of a controversial bend to something because it doesn't fit the narrative, there's always these like discredited type of uh, titles. And I'm of not course. saying that it's not journalism. What I'm saying is it can be incredible incredibly misleading to actually what the person actually did so you have this title on google when you search for something and you realize that like what does this have to do with what this person did okay right and it's so easy for someone just to read the title and say oh let's move on oh yeah yeah, that's that's discredited that person's discredited anyway i'll do you you one better go for it this this happens all the time where you where you you will see an article the headline will say so-and-so fired for racist, sexist, homophobic tweets, whatever. Like, you know, someone someone gets fired for this tweet, problematic tweet. And then you you the first thing I ask is, well, I'd like to see the tweet. Yes. I'd like to decide for myself yes. whether it's racist, sexist, or homophobic yes. to what degree. Because at this point in the media, they you can literally point at anything. And say, oh, this is racist, sexist, homophobic. Correct. Even if it's a, even if it's a comedian telling a kind of spicy joke from ten years ago, they will, they will use that. And it's like because they don't allow context. You say, as a, as an informed citizen, you say, okay, well, I would like to make up my mind if I think this person is racist or sexist or homophobe, right. or, or, or what trans, whatever evil, evil nomenclature is the, is the buzzword of the day. Yep. But guess what, John? They don't. They don't put it up there. They don't give you the tweet. They don't let you figure it out for yourself. Instead, they say so and so is fired 
or so you know rank her over this tweet blah 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 and then they just talk about they just talk about like all of the discourse around that but they don't give you the actual meat of what they're talking about and that's because John they are not in the business of they're not in the business of informing you they're in the business of giving you opinions and saying here's what your opinion is supposed to be and as soon as they color the playing field with so and so is bad and they are canceled well right. it's suddenly you're, it's like very subtly or not so subtly you know pushing the reader or even the, not even the person reading the person just sees the headline says wow i guess what that person did was pretty messed up yep. for the uh, for the mainstream media yep. to write something so harsh yep. about them and this incrementally happens has been happening for years and years and years and it's gotten to the point now where i mean legacy media can just print a, a, a lie they can like you know the, the trump tax return thing that was the new york times they make it seem like he paid zero dollars for 2016 yep. then you keep reading through the article reading through the article and you say oh he just owed no money but he paid four million it was like yep. oh yeah okay this is how taxes work you lose money you uh, claim losses blah 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 but it's like in the in the article and this is new york times this is the gray lady this is supposed to be like a bastion of good journalism but it's turned into this just activist opinion Correct. garbage. Correct. It's as it's as bad or worse than like BuzzFeed or but it's it's at that level of discourse where they're literally giving you and they're saying here it's is your opinion. Yeah, it's, it's like being a here commentator. Yeah. Here is your opinion, and yes. if you if you question that opinion, that oh, what are you? Are you they yep. call you all? Are you all right? Are you a conspiracy theory? Yeah. Like yeah, and we went over the difference between propaganda and art, or even just journalism. You know, journalism takes an idea and investigates an idea, and then sees after the investigation, you know, pretty much comes to some type of uh, some type of hypothesis, if you want to say, or some type of opinion. What's happening mm -hmm. now is the 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 opinion is already there, and it's Donald Trump's a bad person, and now everything yeah. has to be written. Okay, with the assumption that he's a bad person, which is like the worst thing you can do in journalism, right? The yeah, worst yeah, thing you can yeah. do is look at a situation and already say, we know for a fact Donald Trump is exactly. a bad person. Exactly. So whatever we decide to find and whatever information comes our way, we have to make sure we fit that narrative. And it's the same thing about whether the country is systemic, systemic, systemically racist, whether it's the fact that like, you know, our society is uh, uh, capitalism is evil. Like all of these things just seem to be coming from one side of the aisle. And I'm telling you, Sean, all this stuff to me backfires because if, if you want to drag me to the polls in a couple of weeks, what was something Democrats could have done last week to get people like me? And there's many people like me. There's many people like you. There's many people who are like, look, I'm kind of apathetic. I'm not saying that anything great's going to happen anyway, regardless of who's elected. We have a lot of problems that are unsolved that no one seemed to get to the root to so far. So we're going to still have a very tough couple of years ahead. However, yeah. if you wanted to drag me to the polls, last week you would have done it. And, and, and you would have tilted me and pushed me to that direction by saying, hey, I have an idea. Let's have two town halls. They're directly yeah. opposite each other. And, and, and treat the candidates completely different. Hmm. And say that you're journalists. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened last week, Sean. That's exactly yeah. what happened. Right. Well, listen, going back to the, you know, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden enriching themselves on Chinese and Ukrainian money. Yeah. I mean, let, let, just going back to that, 
we have gone so far down this rabbit hole that people like you and me who are really trying to pay attention and really because you know i mean what else are we doing we're, we're on lockdown we're just trying to work to feed our families there's not a whole lot going down what else can i do but just kind of pay attention to the culture war and i have been paying attention since 2016 since since all this kind of leftist nonsense didn't sit well with me and i really saw my own party go insane but it's so I, i've been paying attention since then but johnny the average person is not really paying attention to the details they see the headlines and they go Wow, 99% of articles are anti-Trump. I guess that means Trump is bad. He's very, very bad. Yeah. That's just that's just how they roll, and it's sad because they don't look deeper, they don't look further, they don't, and they think if you say if you talk about the establishment and the elites that you're starting to get into conspiracy nonsense. But right. th these are, these same people would have said the exact same thing, you know, 20 years ago when when Bush was in office. They're like, well, yeah, you know, the the establishment, they're not looking out for you. The elites, they're not looking out for you. And it's like, what has changed? You know, what right. has changed? So I guess what, what I want to say is this, this election that is coming up, it's not about left versus right. It's not about Democrat versus Republican. It is about the establishment versus the anti-establishment. And I know a lot of people are going to hear me say Trump is the anti-establishment, and they're going to just be like, what? He's a billionaire. He's it's like, okay, listen, listen. Joe Biden has been in public office for 47 years. Nancy Pelosi has, has been in office for 33 years. For longer than I have been born, Nancy Pelosi has been in public office, right? Chuck Schumer for, I think, like 20-something years. Uh, all, and, and then, and I mean, go to like, and then Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, look at all the Republicans. They have been in government for decades and decades and decades. And one of the things that bothers me so much when the left talks about systemic oppression, systemic racism, all of these systemic problems. It's like, look at the people who have been running the system for a half a century. And then look at the candidate that they're propping up. It, 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 they're the same thing. Joe right. Biden is the machine. He is the system. He has been writing legislation. The 1994 crime bill that po people point at and look at and they say, yeah, this, this threw thousands of black men in jail. Kamala Harris was a huge proponent of that. How how can these people say systemic racism, systemic oppression, and then turn around and give a thumbs up for for Biden and Harris? I, Correct. It is it Correct. is the height of. It, it, I mean, it, it's 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 insane how much like mental backflips that you have to do to look at Trump and say he's the establishment when this guy never held public office before. He has never written any legislation until 2016 when he started issuing. Uh, executive orders, and you know, you can, you and I can criticize that all day long, but the fact is clear. This guy, he made his nut, he made his money from his dad and from his own businesses. That's how Trump got rich. He didn't have to enrich himself with Chinese money from a Chinese equity firm like Joe Biden did. Yep. He didn't have to. He didn't have to do any of that. But it's right. like people, I don't know, they just have this blind spot because they they say orange man bad. And so they have to just pin everything on him. And it's and it, it's, it's insane. It's yeah. absolutely insane. And, and here, here's also something that is mistaken by a lot of people. And this is something that I actually have a little bit of an inside take on because of the fact that obviously in my industry, Sean, and working in Palm Beach and working in Greenwich, Connecticut, mm. um, I, I can say something that a lot of people don't understand. And I can say it with every ounce of truth that's in my body. 
there's establishment uh, having money does not equal establishment true so people have this idea in america that when you get very rich you become a part of the establishment what people mm. don't understand is there's a pecking order there's a reason why for hun- for for a hundred years you could have all the money in the world but you couldn't get into certain private clubs Ex- exactly even to this day there's a reason why you can have all the right money, all the money in the world. You could be a hardworking person and not get into the right clubs. Because there's something called East Egg versus West Egg, Great Gatsby. Old mm. money versus new money. Right. And what people don't realize is Donald Trump is, in their eyes, new money. And not yeah. good money, but dirty money. Now, yeah. I have no problem. Yeah. You can make the argument that some of the things he's done in the past – are a little bit corrupt or that they're a little shady. Look, the bottom line is the guy took his fortunes and he could have just sat on his ass and just said, I'll throw it in the bank, collect interest, and live a good life. But he took risks. And this is also something that I noticed, and it's a bit of jealousy towards some people who don't like Trump. And it's come out, and I've kind of I've seen it, and I've heard it. And it's this kind of like jealousy where he decided to go out there Take a risk. And he built something. Now, you can say you don't like what he built, but the bottom line is he built something. He went out there and he took a risk and he said, I'm going to do something with my life. And there might be consequences that are bad. There might be consequences that are good, but I'm not going to sit back and just let things just go as they normally would go. And there's other people out there. And it's no problem, Sean. It's not part of their personality. They kind of every time they saw a risk, I don't know if I want to invest. I don't know if I really want to do that. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. And, and those are the people actually that sometimes have the most disdain for him. Instead of looking them in the mirror and saying, look, the difference between him and you is that he went out there, took a risk, put everything on the line and won. You decided to play it safe. And now you're jealous that this guy has more power, influence, and money than you do. And that's yeah. the real reason why you don't like the guy. And there's a yeah. lot of that, Sean, that exists. And it's really hard for people to admit that because it's very hard for any human being, including myself, to look ourselves in the mirror and say, maybe my hatred towards that person is not justified. Maybe my hatred towards them is actually it's actually built on jealousy, not necessarily truth. And that's just something also, having worked in Greenwich, having worked in Palm Beach, I've heard the conversations. I see where some of this is going. I also have to say this, Sean, that's pretty interesting. Trump wins the election. People wake up and say, all right, maybe we're going to be a comeback kid. We've had a lot of bad things happen in this country, but you know what? Maybe we got this thing on the right track. And I know Trump's going to be a pragmatic guy. He doesn't have to get reelected. He will be the most pragmatic politician and is the most pragmatic politician because he does do things that aren't necessarily in tone with the conservative line of thought. He was, yeah. a Demo- he was a Democrat for a lot of his life. He's always been a businessman. He knows how to kind of bring people together, make deals, cut deals, you name it. And you know what? Maybe this is it. Maybe we can make a little bit of a turnaround, support freedom of speech, support, support the, the, uh, an honest media. I, I actually feel like people would wave the American flag and say, look, I mean, America's got it. We're going to – we got to make this comeback. There's a little bit of hope, okay? Now, compare that to the Democrats winning this election. You won't hear language of like you won't see anything that happened when Obama got elected because one of the good things that Obama did was when he got elected, there was this spirit that people's spirits kind of rose. You know what's going to happen when Biden gets elected? Everyone's going to be like, ha ha, 
Do you see Trump? He sucks. Look at him. Look at yeah. him, that loser. Yeah. Everything is going to be so negative and resentful. Yeah. And now it's time to stick it to Trump when he gets out of office and criminally charge him and make him suffer and show him as an example to the world of what happens when you stand up to the man, right? That is ultimately well, the spirit of what's going to happen. And I do find that interesting versus if he gets elected, you're going to see the American flag waved. You're going to see a little yeah. bit of spirit kind of rise to the occasion saying that, hey, we got this. We're going to make this happen. We're going to bring people to the table. We're going to actually do something to make this quote-unquote country great again. I believe that's the spirit that's going to happen if he wins. But Biden wins. It's just going to be this negative, resentful, let's stick it to this guy who tried to stick it to the man. Well, let me jump in here. It's funny that you say negative because, you know, the, the left loves to pin negative on Trump all the time. Oh, he's the divider in chief. He's so negative. That right. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who are the finger-wagging church ladies of our day? It's everyone on the left right now. It's the Democrats right. who don't have any plans. Who right. don't have any plans except tear it down. Trump is bad. Trump, okay, all right. You like to think, okay, well, great. Well, why is Trump bad? Because he's bad. Okay, what's your plan for the future? Trump right. is bad. Okay, you don't have a plan for the future. How positive is that? And Correct. then, Johnny, you look at like videos. And, I've never been to a Trump rally, but I've seen videos and clips of them because I'm like, well, I want to see if there's you know racist rednecks running around. And then you look and it's like, oh, it's like I see a lot of brown and black people. I see a lot of women. See a lot of people from all walks of life. And it's all like people waving flags and smiling and laughing. There's all these viral videos that you can find on Instagram or YouTube of black guys like wearing like black hoodies walking around in Trump rallies and they go up and hug people and they're like, oh, thanks for coming, man. And it's like nothing but positivity. Right. And you see Trump like dancing and just being like, yeah, this country is great. Da, 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 da. And it's like, okay, for all the negativity that you, that you say that he spews on Twitter, this none of this seems negative. This all seems kind of like a fun rock concert, you know? Right, right. And it's, it's like, and you can agree, you can say it's stupid or you do disagree with it, but it's like, I mean, compared to the morose, the a complete morose attitude of the Democrats now, it's like they're the, ne they're the negative ones if anyone's being negative. And right. then dig this. I mean, um, I lost my train of thought. Do you want to No, in? yeah, no. I mean, that, that's a big part of it is the spirit of the campaigns. One is, yeah. is, is built on this very negative message of America is, America is a systemically, not, not has problems in the past, but was built on a problem. And yeah, that's the big problem. difference, okay? Right. Oh, oh, this was, this was my it. idea. Go for I'm it. sorry, let me jump in. Go for it. No, like you were talking, listen, I voted for Obama in 2008 because I saw him as an agent of change. I saw him being like, oh, here's, okay, we, we lived through the Clintons, the dynasty of the Clintons. We lived through the dynasty of the Bushes. It was like we had a, a Bush and then a Clinton and another Bush and then another Clinton wanted to get in and we're going, and I was young at the time, but I was like, this seems kind of like a, like a royalty, like a monarchy, and that's Correct. not what America is. America's not a friggin' monarchy. It's not this like oligarchy like in Russia. Like, so I saw Obama as being okay. He's something different. He's a young guy. He's black. Like he knows the city life in Chicago. Blah blah. blah. You know, I was naive. That's how he, and that's honestly how he came off. Correct. And then he got in, and everyone was like, "Yay! All right." change yeah because he was this kind of us out of the establishment kind of guy but then we soon we soon learned oh wow i guess hip young black guys can also 
get themselves into the corporate establishment as well. Because yeah. he literally just forwarded all of the same thing that Bush did. Correct. Continued the wars, expanded the wars, expanded the police state, expanded glo- uh, globalism, gave, you know, allowed NAFTA to just run rampant in the American economy. Right. All of these things. And Johnny, if Trump's policies, this is, and I've been saying this for years now, if you took all of the policies and all the things that Trump has done and you just put a friendlier face on it, like you put a Bernie Sanders face on that, or you put a, you know, you put a Tulsi Gabbard face on it, or even like a Mitt Romney face on it, right. where they're friendly and they're cordial and they're the people, they would be the most popular president in the history of, the, of America. Right. I have no doubt in my mind because all of these things that the populist left has been talking about, about, oh, yeah, we need to get America, we need to get American manufacturing back because our middle class is being hollowed out. Right. That is something Trump has actively been doing. Right. And, and gr- like the, the, ener- you know, like uh, the energy sector, manufacturing sector, shipping sector, all that has grown specifically because Donald Trump, because of his business acumen and what he's able to do. And I'm not trying to like kiss his ass, but. I'm just saying it how it is. This is this is not this. You don't have to do a lot of digging to figure out what has happened with the economy since Trump has been in office. We had a, an incredibly robust, growing economy. Now, if you want to talk about the deficit and fiscal conservatism, sure, we can criticize them about that all day. Yeah. But the fact is, the fact is, Johnny, that all of these people who kind of have sort of Bernie Sanders economic outlook, a lot of protectionism, a lot of pro-worker, Donald Trump has done that. So, I mean, these people are not looking at Donald Trump's policies or what he's done in office. They're simply just looking at the fact that the media tells you you're supposed to hate him, the fact that he's a blowhard, that he's a a bully, that he's kind of a scumbag and in his, like, private and personal life, that he's, like, a shysty business guy. They want you to focus on that, that, not the actual things that he has accomplished, because if you take the things that he's accomplished and the things that he's known for and you put them on a friendlier face, guaranteed would be the most popular president of all time. Right. Guaranteed. Right. And part guaranteed. of that popular part of that popular appeal, I believe, is because you really focus on the culture of America versus the politics. If you focus on yeah. the politics, you really divide left versus right. If you for focus sure. on the cult, culture and you kind of go pro-American with your culture, um, you, you end up putting obviously the left in a very interesting situation. But you also put a little pressure on global uh, global alliances to say, look, I mean, here's the deal. We might have expanded beyond our reach, and we've upset a lot of people who obviously want to maintain national identity. Uh, they want to maintain local identity, and that's something that we, I think, overreach. And I think that's something that obviously Trump tapped into. And, you know, the bottom line is, is when you look at his four years, if he does not get elected, it'll be very difficult for anyone to write a history book and say he was a radical Republican. He was a radical <laughs> conservative. He's somebody that if you didn't put the word Donald Trump next to, you wouldn't know whether necessarily I could I could list five. Exactly. Exactly. I could list five things that happened under his administration in which lean left. I can I can name five things that leaned right. So this idea that he came in here with a very staunch ideology and was stuck on this ideology and was unmovable from this ideology when it comes down to politics is a farce. And I think that's something that interesting enough after four years, I can say now moving on from the four years and looking obviously what's happening around the world. One thing that I do see happening and 
And this is obviously something that's happening in Europe. Pete, I, I have a friend of mine. He's in Serbia. And he said if there was going to be a spark, it would have to take place in America. And what he was and getting at was – I thought this was really interesting. He said America can always kind of spread as an idea, right? Because yeah, it's, a beautiful, yeah. it's a beautiful idea. I don't care what people say. I don't care if they think I'm racist. That's fine. It's a beautiful <laughs> – it is a beautiful idea to know that you can come somewhere and instead of going and saying, what can the government of Serbia do for me? The attitude is, how can you get out of my way so that I can try to create as much happiness and prosperity for, as possible? For myself and for the my, people around me. Correct. Yes. Okay. Without, without that type of surveillance. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting that he said that, which is why I think there is a silent growing group of people all across specifically Europe that wants to take pride in Western civilization, that sees the influence of a police state growing from China, wanting to get involved in their society and putting pressure on America, which is also putting pressure on Europe. And I kind of get this weird gut feeling that people are just waiting. People are waiting to see what happens because they want the EU to stop its abuse of powers. They want to stop with the lack of freedom and move on with more of a liberty message. And I do think that someone might say to the person who says, oh, whatever happens in America in in November, it really won't affect Europe. I I beg to differ. I think it will have a massive impact on local and national politics for people who want local and national control and not have a necessarily global government being able to encompass an entire region and say that we know what's best for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John, I mean, this goes into deep philosophical political philosophy. It, this, is, this is a century-old problem, and it's the fact it's this. The, the greatest trick that the left ever pulled was convincing people that liberty was selfish and racist. Right. Mm. And that collectivism and government theft of private property was kind and was good. And that altruism could only be achieved if you had a government authority forcing it upon people, which is I mean, you could I've been I've been watching Ayn Rand interviews and it's like, geez, man, what what a towering intellectual, what an incredibly incredible woman. And she gets lambasted of course, by, oh, she was so cold, and it's like, this woman is trying to teach you how to fish. She's not trying to give you a fish. She's trying to teach you how to fish so she can free you. This woman should be considered, and of course, obviously, she's vilified for that, because the people in charge, the elites, the establishment, do not want you to be independent. They do not want you to think for yourself. They do not want you to act for yourself. They do not want you to create wealth for yourself. They do not want that. They want you to be subservient. They want you to work in the collectivist factory that they have created for you. Correct. That is what they want. That is why people like Ayn Rand get vilified. That is why people like Ron Paul get vilified. Anyone who has a libertarian mentality where they say, government, get away from me. Let me live my life how I want to live it. Because they know, they know that the greatest redistributor and creator of wealth is a free market system that is not being lorded over by a government or by a king or by a pope and they know that that is the absolute best way of getting people out of poverty and of increasing the quality of life of everyone but 
all of these collectivists come along and they say, no, no, no. Don't you see that the growth of wealth has to, you know, like even though capitalism grows wealth unevenly, it's still growing wealth. Right. Collectivism doesn't grow wealth. It just redistributes it. And they've convinced people in thinking that that is the humane approach. Right. That is, and so all of that informs this globalist perspective of, yeah, no, the state is going to take care of you. Like, obviously, yeah. the state is going to because don't you think poverty is bad? Don't you think that racism is bad? It's like, right. yes, of course, all those things are bad. But right. the government is the worst at taking care of those things. Right, and also, and, and, and also, yeah. like, the government's not mm -hmm. going to do anything that not that is not going to enrich itself. So exactly. this idea that a government would be willing to sacrifice riches or influence so that your life can be better is nonsense. And that's a very important point to make because someone, yes, can make the argument that there are things in which the government does which are good things. But that's not what we're, what we're saying is, is that that's not their intentions. Their intentions, right. if anything, you could say, a, a good government maintains a decent level of stability and or and order for society to function. But what happens is naturally is if that government is not kept in check, what happens in society problems grow. Instead of saying let's try to look towards other alternative solutions to solving these problems, the government says let's get involved in education. Exactly. Let's get involved in the environment. Let's take all of these problems that human beings are experiencing, and instead of working with private individuals, they say, let's take on the problem ourselves because we see an opportunity to exert more influence and control. And look, Sean, I'm going to say this very clearly. There is a role that a military should play for society. There is a role that fire departments and police officers play into society. I believe a government's job primarily is to create stability and order for a society as long as it doesn't obviously infringe on people's personal liberties. That's my basic way of looking at government. There is a role for government. I also would make the argument that part of what government should do with the help of the media, not working together, but the media and the government should also be keeping corporate nonsense that is destroying the livelihood of people in check. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In other words, there's going to be big government. There's going to be a want and a desire for big government, Sean. And there's going to be a want and desire for a big private business to kind of overtake the little guy, right? In many ways, both have to keep each other in check. You have people who have to keep the private business and the public business in check. And that kind of goes with my whole idea of, uh, 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 a, a private business, the higher, uh, this is a Jordan Peterson idea. You know, the private business, there's a hierarchy problem. And a lot of times yeah. in public business, there's an efficiency problem. And what yeah. your goal is, your goal as the press and as individuals living in a society should be like, look, anytime the corporate world gets too hierarchical, right, where there's too much on the top and there's too little at the bottom, okay, you've got to be very critical of those people. And in the government, right. in my opinion, anytime they become inefficient, people should be critical of the inefficiencies that government obviously has um yeah and so that's just my takeaway from it i know the last segment that we have here sean i know and you can share your thoughts on that but i'd like to get into a little bit what happened obviously in paris recently with the beheading mm. and the killing of a teacher again this is a story that we've kind of seen in the past um you know i'm yeah i i will just say this 
I'm not so sure that I'm not so I'm 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 almost I almost believe that the way a government can get because we're speaking about government more power is to instill more fear in society and it's almost like on the right it seems to be taking its power by blaming Islamic terrorism and by setting people up and putting them in a position where they're obviously doing these killings and that's an easy way to get power from people so you have minority groups who do things in which the majority don't like and then that serves as a reason for more surveillance and then on the left it's obviously seen with the coronavirus same idea in order to fight this enemy you need to give up some of your freedoms mm. another part of me says this is a growing problem of people who don't agree with other people committing acts of violence and that europeans have been scared to call people out on these ideologies right. all ideologies that right. are intolerant because of obviously their brutal past with obviously confronting the minority groups in their country i'm torn yeah. i'm torn between the two one i'm saying oh here we go again another person linked to a specific religion who we are now going to use and exploit that link so that you can rile up one side of the aisle so that they are willing to give some of their freedoms for another surveillance system and another feeling inside of me has said they have refused to see a growing ideology that if they're not careful has the backbone and willpower to eventually in 10 years from now become the dominant force in, of, of European culture. I'm torn, yeah. between, I'm torn between the two feelings that I get when I read an article like this, and I just want you to share your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, like, weaponizing fear is, is used on both the left and the right, but I think this is something very important to, to uh, consider right now in 2020. Um, I, I'm here in Spain, and, you know, Spain has a long history of, of the, the, like, alliance with the Catholic Church, and the Catholic kings in the, you know, in the 16th century and all these, you know, uh, all of these historically Catholic things. And people in Spain are very quick to talk about the evils of the Inquisition, right? The Spanish Inquisition. Oh, my God, how, how wicked that was. They were torturing people because they wanted them to repent. Okay, I agree. Pretty bad. But, I mean, nobody seems to want to talk about, my wife and I talk about this, nobody seems to want to talk about the fact that the, the, the Muslims invaded Spain and they wouldn't even torture, like they would torture you and they wouldn't even let you repent. They would just kill you. you. You'd be done. You'd be dead. Right. So it's like, why is it that we're focusing on one type of evil, which is pretty bad, pretty evil, what the Catholics did, I'm not saying it wasn't pretty damn bad, but then the Muslims, there's, it's just silent, complete silence. And, and so it's this kind of like moral ethical blind spot that is occurring on the left where, yeah, you know, we have to be, you know, Columbus Day just happened. And people were like, oh, God, you know, the evil Columbus and all the things that he did when he conquered the natives, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, okay, in the name of in the name of God. What do you think has been done in the name of Allah? Like, in the past five years of ISIS, you know, rampaging through Syria, rampaging through Iraq, like, d destroying all of these holy sites, killing people i mean just indiscriminately in the name of allah like what why is that why are you talking more about something that happened 500 years ago 
Right. And then not at all about something that happened is happening this century. It happened five years ago. It's happening in an, in an era where we are enjoying all these wonderful things like, you know, a, like a, a democratic republics and, uh, you know, and free and, and uh, just all of these nice things that we had that, that capitalism and democracy have given us all of these nice freedoms. And it's like, what, what is it with the cognitive blind spot? And so Correct. The, the first thing that you see when something like this happens in France, because this is especially happening in France, is the first thing, the, the loudest thing that you will see is people go, uh, uh, hate has no place here. Or hate, you know, and it's like a generic, because yeah. they don't want, they obviously don't want, they, they know how bad that sounds to say, yeah, it, like Islamism is a problem. Radical Islam is a problem. They don't want to say that because right. then they're going to be called a racist or an Islamophobe. Yeah. It's like, listen, I'm not, I'm not an Islamophobe. I'm a cutting, getting my cut, my head cut off a phobe. That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. And when you're dealing with people who they come into a country and this is, and this, this is sad because it, it puts all of the like secular Muslims and people who just like, they, they consider themselves French first. Yeah. And, it puts all of them in a bad spot because right. if, if we're not allowed to criticize the crazies who sadly there are far too many of them because that's just the way that the religion rolls. If you're not allowed to criticize them and say, get these people, these people should not be allowed in our country because they believe in the laws of their book over the laws of our democratically elected right. government. Right. They're, you're not allowed to say that, John. And so it, it, it lets you let this thing fester. And if we're not allowed to have an open debate about it, all of the people, they're just kind of keeping quiet and keeping to themselves. And it's going to swing. The pendulum is going to swing hard authoritarian anti-immigrant. Right. Because you haven't let anybody have a nuanced conversation about that. And that's what I'm afraid of because we do need to have a, a deep conversation about the amount of, and I'm here in Europe, we need to have a conversation about the amount of immigration from Islamic countries Correct. that come here that are li- quite literally, it's their religious theocracies where the only education people have is religious education. And that is a huge problem. Right. And one of the biggest parts of, let's say, my Christian faith is the fact that I grew up around a place in which was incredibly critical of the Christian faith. So if I grew up in 1988, America, you know, you people can always say, oh, people are so anti-church and there's no respect for religion. Like, no, like, here's the way I look at it. We live in a free society, and in this free society, you could watch movies and TV shows that poked, that made jokes or poked fun at or were very critical of some of the things in which they saw were problems in the faith of Christianity, right? Now, you, mm-hmm. can, you can say that as, oh, they're attacking us, or take a step back and say maybe some of the problems and grievances they have with your faith are justifiable, and you're going to mm-hmm. learn something and actually become a stronger person of faith by learning what it is that they have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is yeah. what I find interesting in a place like Europe where it seems like if there's any criticism driven towards the Prophet of Muhammad, a lot of times the good news is by listening to this criticism, by evaluating your faith, by seeing where you stand and what you think of the people that have represented your religion in the past, you can actually become a stronger person of faith. But that's mm-hmm. not how they see things in which happen to, in their opinion, attack their religion. And, and, right. and I'll never forget when Barack Obama said this. You remember ISIS came about, and he said, ISIS is not Islamic. And I said, 
this is this is why Trump gets elected. Yes. Because of a double standard. You yes. see, Obama and all his professor friends at all these liberal secular universities in America might say that ISIS is, is not Islamic. But you know what they're not saying? They're not saying that the Spanish Inquisition is not Catholic. Yeah, exactly. And that's the double standard. If yeah, you yeah. want to say that there is a group of people who call themselves Muslims who do something bad, if you want to make sure you make it clear to your students that these people are not Islamic, then every religious movement in the world, specifically Christianity, because for so many years that was such a dominant part of a Western culture. Yeah, Western society. You yeah. also have to say that the witch burnings, right? Mm -hmm. Or the, sorry, the witch trials. And all of these things yeah. that I guess put a little bit of a negative view and a negative light on Christianity, you also have to say that they're not Christian and they have nothing yeah. to do with Christianity. And it does remind me of a classic after the Goblet of Fire. It's a great, great movie. And it's also just a great example that relates to this, Sean. Remember after the Goblet of Fire, everyone says Voldemort doesn't exist. And Harry Potter is trying to tell people like, look, pal, like this guy exists and this guy's real. And if you try to act and ignore the problem instead of confronting the problem that is right in front of you because you're scared, okay? This problem is only going to fester. And I can't help but think about this problem that European society is dealing with when they see a culture that is very anti-multicultural and yeah. they refuse to call it out for what it is. Whether you think yeah. it's good or bad, it's fine. You have to call it out for what it truly is. It is a religion in which believes politics and faith should be combined into a complete theocracy. And if you, right. if you don't accept that, a lot of these problems, like in the movie, continue to fester. Well, John, let, let me jump in. And I, I only have a minute before I need to run. Go for it. I'll, finish it I'll out. Just finish, I'll just finish with this. Finish it out. This is, a, this is a symptom of the elites who live in golden towers and who don't have to live among, you know, poor Muslim immigrants who believe in religious theocracy, right? Like they, they... They very much, you know, the New York Times people, all of these people, they don't have to deal with immigration. They don't have to deal with globalism because they're already rich. And and uh, I remember in, in House of Cards, they talked about how, yeah, well, money, who cares about money? Power is where it's at. Government, influence, that's where you get your power. So anyone who thinks that, like, again, and I'm going to, I got 10 seconds and I got to jump off. But again, this, this election is about the establishment versus just the common man. The regular, and even if you say, well, Donald Trump's a billionaire. You're right, he's a billionaire. But he is not allowed in these echelons of Ivy League power. Right. And just think about that. If you, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders stopped saying billionaires and started saying, or stopped saying millionaires and started saying billionaires when he became a millionaire. So right. let's just let's right. just be aware of that. And Johnny, I'm going to hang up. I'll let you finish. Love you, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Awesome, man. Thanks, Sean. And we'll talk next time. Peace.